Well, 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 welcome back to Climb to Your Prime with Dr. Haim. Uh, this is our uh, final edition, farewell 2023. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's been a long run, Doc. How are you doing? We're doing fine down here, Hurricane. It's the sun shining. We're in the midst of a lovely summer. Uh, we've got blue waters behind us here. Uh, we're looking forward to another new year coming here. And as always, we like to think that we can do it better next year. Well, 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 doctor, just for those that are just watching right now for the first time, you know, yes, it is summer there while it's winter up here. Uh, you're in the land down under, you know, Australia. And, uh, if, you know, well, I don't think you have the angle right now, but but uh, earlier you had the gold, the bridge behind you. So uh, that's always a well, great I've, I've got it here, Hurricane, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> there it is. There it is. You know, we want to focus on you right now. So, yeah, but, yeah, that's fine. But, but it is, it is. Listen, I mean, I rub it on and it's summertime here and, you know, it's cold there and, you know, it's your turn, right, to make it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, so, so again, for those of you, again, watching for the first time, and this is our uh, mental health, you know, time, and it is a live question, live Q&A, and uh, people can participate. You have the ability to join us in this discussion. You can call the number on the screen. You can also participate by putting your chat on the YouTube, and we can actually respond to it right, you know, live. And if you do want to actually come on the show, uh, I did put the stream here. You'll just have to, you know, follow the StreamYard stuff, and then... You'll come on. We'll bring you on board as long as you keep it cool and and uh, <laughs> in, in within the frame of uh, you know respect. Then we will welcome you know a, a good engagement. So uh, that's that's it. Now, uh, doctor, I have a whole series of questions, and then I kind of set them up in, in buckets. But I do have one uh, that I'm going to bring up on the screen right now. That is, I guess it's the end of the year and the beginning of a new one. So there is definitely. Uh, you know, that resolution thing. So I have a question about that that came through. So let me find it. I have so many here. So let me just uh, take a quick look because I put them up in the, the the comment field so you can see them on the screen as well. And uh, people can uh, get a little bit with um, just give me a second. Here we go. It's two part question here just because it didn't fit into one. So uh, Hello, Dr. Haim. It is almost the new year, and this is when people start feeling the need to make resolutions, when, uh, which I think are more illusions, as most, including me, never follow through with them. So yes. uh, what is the need for the social phenomena, and what is the driver behind it? Does it psychologically give us a boost or a hope at a changed us? Jeremy, New York City. Okay, Jeremy, New York City, you've hit the nail on the head. You've answered your own <laughs> question. Yeah, no, every year Hurricane does give us a, a, an idea of hope, an idea of change, an idea of doing it a little bit better. So, yeah, I've got the bridge in the background there. And in a way, we're at a stage of a bridge between 2023 and 2024. And that becomes the bridge between the past and the future. Uh, because our brain is actually future focused. The whole idea of our brain existing is so that it can survive into the future. So we can actually do things better in the future. And the only way that we can do things better in the future is to learn from the past. So the link or the bridge between the past and the future 
is the present, right where we are, right here, Hurricane. And right in this very moment, you're making decisions. I'm making decisions. Jeremy in New York City is making decisions. And Jeremy's kind of made a decision, okay, um, I've tried this resolution stuff and it doesn't work. Uh, and the thing there is often we have goals that are too high. Uh, we have uh, bridges that are too far. Uh, we want things so much and our expectations are so high uh, that we fail. So the question, Jeremy, I actually think is how can we put in resolutions that are not illusions that but we can actually follow through on? And so the first thing that I want to say about this hurricane, and I've talked about this a lot, is don't go for the goals. Know what your values are. Because if you can know what you value in life, it makes it much easier to succeed. Uh, so when we talk about resolutions, we're talking about giving up vices or doing things that we know are good for us. But if we have a value, okay, like let's say we value friendship or we value health or we value mental health, then you can sort of go, okay, how can I actually use that value uh, to put together a goal that's actually going to work this year? And I'd encourage people to go for small victories before they go for the large one, right? So the large victory is sort of saying, yes, I do this no more, be it drinking alcohol or watching too much social media or whatever it happens to be. So go for a goal that goes, I want to do this a little bit less. Um, let's say if it's social media or uh, alcohol binging, do it once a week only rather than every night or three times a week and get used to succeeding. The brain loves to succeed. We all hate failure. But the only real failure, as I keep telling people, is not trying. So in other words, don't give up on the future that you actually value. And through that hurricane, we could actually put together a few resolutions uh, that are not all or nothing, but they're just graded steps to get us closer to a future that we actually want and value. Well, thank you, doctor. So, so, well, I, you know, I, I'm listening to you and I kind of was reflecting on, on the question itself. Yeah. But, but I think, I think personally, and there's something that we talk about a lot is that resolution is basically, it's like, it's, it's a goal, as you said, you know, and, uh, yes. but, but, so, and, You've, you've expanded on it that the goal itself is one thing, but the value of that goal of what you want to yeah. achieve is what really makes a difference. I think yes. sometimes that's where it gets lost is that we put a goal that is not unachievable or we know that it just like we're doing it just because it gives us the hope part uh, yeah. that maybe. But if you set it as realistic and you have a value to it, that means something you want to get healthier. You know, I don't know, whatever. You're going to get married. You want to look good in your, yeah. your, your tuxedo or your dress, your gown, whatever the case may be. Those are things that you want to vacation you want to look good for the, the beach i don't know but whatever it is you have to have something that is the, obviously the ultimate goal is to be healthy 100 right you don't want to have any issues with your physical or mental health and that's it so but i think i personally believe that i better have a resolution than not have a resolution at least you have something to look forward to and start the year with i mean i, yeah. I look at it that way yeah no, no, and, and i agree with you totally hurricane but i would start off with the question what do i value so if you say i value physical health all right, but let's say you're wiping yourself out with drugs or alcohol three times a week. Uh, now, I know it sounds like a bit of a cop-out, but to go to two times a week is actually the first step. You take a small step, and then the next step is twice a week because a resolution tends to sound like an all-or-nothing thing. It's, it's one of these, I'll never drink again. I'll never take drugs again. And then you feel bad, 
and then you wonder what you're going to do and you say, stuff it, I can't do it, so I've got to take drugs again. And then you feel like a failure. Whereas if you're wiping yourself out three times a week, I don't know why I have to take drugs as an example all the time, but that's what I've just landed on at the moment. And you're only doing it twice a week rather than three times a week. You actually can get to give yourself a gold star. I did it. I did well this week. And then when you're ready, you'll learn some skills along the way and you go, okay, what can I do to only do it once a week this time? All right. Or eating healthily. What can I do to eat healthily five days a week rather than just three days a week? So you get more of the good stuff and less of the bad stuff. And it's going step by step because all or nothing, which comes from us all being impatient, is setting us up for failure. And we all would like to set ourselves up for success. All right. So one of the values is wanting to feel good. Because when we talk about vices like overeating or drinking too much alcohol or taking too much drugs, right, the question is actually, how am I going to feel good without those things? So again, you go to your values. What makes you feel good? And Hurricane, what actually makes us feel good is being around people, having a life that's meaningful, contributing to other people, putting in effort and being rewarded for it going for an exam and actually putting in the effort so that you know that you're going to pass. Not I hope I'm going to pass, but you know that you're going to pass. Those sort of things. And it's really amazing how we've got 8 billion diverse people on this planet, but there's only a handful of things that we all really want. And it's because the game of life is kind of designed that way. It's kind to give your brain the best chance to go forward into a future healthily and happily. <laughs> you know, I, th I think I think definitely this is what we want to leave the 2023 years with and, and, and begin our 24. I mean, that's a great advice for anyone watching us right now. And of course, this is going to replay. So it's not good only for this time of the year. I think it's good for life. As long as you apply it any given day, you know, that should give you results. And, uh, you know, I, I just I always enjoy these 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 feeds that you give us here because, you know, well, it's amazing. You, you know, Doug, it's funny because I think we all kind of know this stuff, but we just don't put it together. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, but Hurricane, I'm part of that too, all right? I forget my values and I get caught up in life just like the rest of us. So um, I encourage people to be armed with their values and armed, A-R-M-E-D, becomes the questions that you can ask yourself so that you get to know your values. So A is for admire. What do I admire in myself and other people? Because that's kind of what you value. R is what do I believe is the right thing to do? And people are influenced by different things about doing the right thing, and it differs from other people. But what's the right thing to do? And then M is for motivation. What really motivates me? How do I know that I'm going to do something? Okay, so we all get motivated by by pleasure. Um, some people get motivated by, by wealth. Other people get motivated by a bit of kudos, a bit of clapping, all of that sort of stuff. And then E for armed is when do I feel full of excellence and self-esteem? So in other words, when do you feel good about yourself? Can you find a time in your life when, hey, I felt good? And what was the value behind that? And the last one's a hard one, Hurricane. D has to do with if you had to die soon, what would all of a sudden become very important to you? And uh, the internet is full of lessons from people who are on their deathbed that said, this is what I didn't do. This is what I really value. 
and we think that we value certain things like money and pleasure, but on your deathbed, what would you really treasure? What would really become important to you? So looking at those five questions will point you towards your values. And then you use those to put in goals and resolutions. Then you're on track. Well, there you have it, folks. I mean, you got to get armed. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> as, as, as heavy as it sounds, I mean, you can have heavy ulterior with that one. I mean, but you need yeah. that because, you know, and, and by the way, I, I you know, I, I'm going to touch on the D part because yeah. you're right. Uh, no one regrets, you know, the money and all the stuff because they've used it, whatever the case may be, but they do regret yeah. the moments that they didn't cherish with their loved ones or things that they didn't take care of their health and things like that. Or, you know, they, they overdid something that affected them. And, you know, that's really something it. And, and at the end of the day, again, to your point is what is your value? Now, someone can say, well, I just love my money and you know what? I regret a thing, which, which would be fine, I guess. Uh, but, but you're right. That is maybe a minority versus the, the, the vast majority of people. That's not what the, the studies and, and, you know, the actual facts state today in real life. I mean, you said it, people can Google this up, you know, or look it up yeah. on YouTube everywhere. I mean, I, listen, I mean, the best example we can talk about is Steve Jobs. I mean, he, he actually had, you know, and people can look it up. There's a whole letter or, or I can I guess something that he wrote. And I, I, do, I did read it a couple of times where it, the money and all the stuff didn't matter to him. I mean, he would have given anything, you know, for his health. And, and that's actually going for a lot of people in, 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 in this, this world and before us, actually. Because I, I think that's actually a standard, you know, for humanity across, you know, the history and the stuff. Everybody, you know, money is good. And I always say it's good to have as a tool, but it's not everything. And it does not replace, you know, your health, your family, your, your loved ones and everything else. Oh, Hurricane, this has been wisdom for hundreds of years. And I'm thinking about a novel by Charles Dickens called A Christmas Carol, when an old Scrooge was shown what his life is really like uh, if he continues this way. And he was so horrified that he started giving away his money and started living for what he actually valued. And that was to share a bit of kindness, to get to know his family and to be part of the answer rather than the problem. And if it meant parting with a bit of money, that was fine with him. Well, well, doctor, I mean, think about this. I mean, I, I know this for a fact, you know, uh, you know, you can have the money, right? And, you know, a lot of people, they work, 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 and they say, okay, I'm going to enjoy this money at a later time. But yeah. at a later time, there's no health. You have, you can't, you know, do things. You barely can walk. Maybe, you know, you can't travel. You can't get on the air. There's many things that can happen that you don't know. And yeah. so now you missed all that opportunity and a lot of things, you know, you need to do early in life, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. and as you go, as long as you have your health, I mean, you can do hiking, you can, especially the stuff that's physical, you know, you yeah. might be able to cruise as a, at an older age, but even that can become very difficult, but, but certainly yeah. you can't do like nature and, you know, trekking or whatever. I don't know if you wanted to climb Mount Everest or any of the top mountains in the world and in, in the, the, the planet. You can't. Uh, things like that. I mean, there's many things. Like you want to have your kids, for example, early, and some people don't do it. They just wait for a longer time before they, they get kids, and then because that's a decision they make. But then yeah. at a later time, they have no energy to actually raise their kids, you know, or yeah. even their grandkids. So all these things are real, and we know these examples, but it's sometimes it's just great to hear it over and over to to give us that. Oh, so, I mean, reminding, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's like a tool that everybody can have. You remind everyone around you. There are my yep. others, 
and it keeps us in the loop. It's like, you know, out of sight of the mind. If this is in front of you, then it's not out of your mind. That means you can practice it better. Uh, so yeah. I, and yes. Yeah, sorry, Hurricane, go ahead. No, no, no. That's it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, one of the problems is this word happiness that we have because we're all after happiness, but we don't quite know what happiness is. And so we end up equating happiness with pleasure, short term pleasure rather than long term commitment, uh, contentment. So I was at a conference in 2007 where the keynote speaker was a neuroscientist that said to us, the brain is not wired to be happy. And that kind of floored all of us because we all thought, of, thought that it would be nice if the brain was wired to be happy. But in 45 minutes, this neuroscientist showed us that the brain is actually wired to learn. And it means that if you have this thing called learning, it means that your brain is being satisfied and is content in itself. And it is happy, if you'd like to use that particular word. And since that time, that was 2007, we have also learned that the brain is actually wired for love, for other brains, to be in relationship and in good trusting collegiality with other brains. And this takes me again to my favorite part of the brain, the anterior cingulate gyrus, which is a part of the brain that is devoted to getting on to other people, uh, getting on with other people. And it's not just relationships. Um, uh, hurricane, because one of the amazing things about our society is that no matter how you organize society, we all find a way to cooperate so that we all contribute to society so that miracles like having food on the table or having uh, fashionable clothing or having modes of transport or having energy or any of our uh, economic needs automatically seems to get done. And what happens is brains actually negotiate with each other. Where do I fit in? Where can I contribute? Where can I be appreciated by other brains by doing something that's useful? And Hurricane, by working with people that have had a lot of mental health issues, I've got to tell you that one of the most underestimated feelings that we have in life is this feeling of usefulness. Because a lot of the people that I work with if they had that feeling of usefulness, and I know I've spoken about this before, if they had that feeling of usefulness, they would then be content. They would feel that they're part of the human race, which is why I, I leave people with a little bit of a, um, a an equation that says that happiness is not short-term pleasure, but happiness is long-term contentment, which comes from interacting with everybody else and feeling useful in this amazing society that we have. Well, I, I have to say, I mean, the, the, the part about feeling useful, I think everybody is always looking for people's attention and aware of the other. I'm sorry, but that's a fact. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You, yeah. You, you know, you walk in a room, you, you, you still like, you know, you try to make a, an entrance somehow, you know, and some people say like, you know, they, they want to do it. You'll do it. Even subconsciously it happens. I, you know, it's, it's all natural folks. I mean, you know, as, as humble as we can be, you can still look up for that being useful, even helping people. Sometimes you yep. want to do something just to 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 show that you exist, and yep. uh, you know that you're part of you know whatever. I mean, I, I can I can go back to an event that I mean a tragedy uh, that happened in in uh, as a, the Hurricane Sandy that 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 happened in uh, New York and Jersey a few years back. I think it's 
yeah, 2012. And uh, I we I was working in a company, and uh, we had we were first responders uh, with nurses and you know NPs to go to some homes and areas that was you know completely destroyed, and yeah. uh, you know everybody was scrambling. Everybody wanted to be useful. Everybody wanted to yeah. participate. People came from every state and even from other countries, and we've seen that in all yeah. tragedies across the, the globe when earthquakes and stuff people go from i mean right now people are going you know to to the middle east people are in the ukraine area so i mean there's many things that are happening around the world and people cannot just converse to those areas to help yeah. because they want to participate and do something yes. be i mean we say this be useful right i mean you can't yes. just be you know just lingering in this world with no uh, you know with no presence and no signature if you want to call it and everybody has one and so it is a fact but I, I love what you said that we just need to to feel that we want to make sure that it's happening uh yes and uh the experience that you had is similar to an experience that i had because i was in an area that went through a flood crisis and some of the people that felt most useful were actually teenagers because teenagers would get together in bands of five and eight march into people's houses and just start cleaning it up and all of a sudden these people felt useful and uh now i've got to let people know that you don't have to wait for a disaster to come up before <laughs> feeling useful all right it really just takes finding one person that you can make a difference in their life it could be an elderly person who lives down the road from your place that just needs a meal that just needs a yard cleaned up that just needs a bit of a helping hand and the feeling that you get from being useful to that person will give your life a sense of meaning that for some people hurricane they haven't had before so and when we do this for each other because some of us have to let other people help us <clears throat> to share that feeling of usefulness. Then we start to understand how our brains actually work, how our brains in the anterior cingulate gyrus works with give and take. If I can help you and let you help me, that means that we're connected and that we are finding ways to touch our shared humanity so that your brain and I, my brain can work together to get into a future like 2024 just a bit better than the past like 2023 well well with those words i mean i do hope that 24 brings in a much better outcome and uh, a lot more peace and uh, love yes. and usefulness no tragedies no wars hopefully everything ends and yeah. life becomes a lot better i mean we I think we're due for a year where there is no no crisis and of any sort. You know, I mean, we've been yeah. from the pandemic to the economy to wars, and it's just been ongoing. And you know, it's like where does it end? So we hope that people somehow feel and see the value of that, and maybe we all can contribute to a better, positive year. Now, again, that's me being hopeful, and uh, you know, I leave it at that. <laughs> you know, I mean, sometimes you have to be realistic, but you know, it doesn't her to just hope for better right you know and uh well okay and, and being hopeful is actually being realistic because it's just real that there's always something that you can do it's just that when we hear about wars in the world pandemics and things going on that are beyond our control we start feeling that we're helpless that we can't do anything about it which is why i'm here to encourage people to see what they can do in their street in their family in their relationship uh, in their friendship group to say, hey, is there something that you need that I can fulfill? Uh, and if you start small, if you imagine 
millions of people making a difference in each other's lives, then that actually has an effect on the way the whole world actually functions. Because at the moment, social media uh, can get us down, Hurricane, because we hear about all the bad stuff because the marketing psychologists know that we're drawn through our curiosity to problems in this world. But if we can concentrate with each other to find, you know what, you've got something good about you, I've got something good about me, let's get it together and do something good in the world, however small, it will make a difference to the whole of this world. Well, doctor, I want to say again, as always, I said this over and over and I can't say it enough. I want to say thank you because you are making yourself available to the world and, and these hours that you've given, I mean, uh, be it 10 hours a year, you know, at least in this show, you know, you've contributed to quite a bit of, you know, hopefulness and, and, and success and, and help to, to, you know, people that we don't even know. And, uh, you know, and that's, that's really what it is. I mean, yeah, we are on social media. We are on that yeah, positive right. side, you know, but, but you're right. There's a lot more negative than positive. Sometimes people just tend to just lean towards the negative because it's just attractive as opposed to finding the positive, which there's plenty of it as well. I mean, I, you know, exactly if you, right. you, I know you, you see my feed, it's all positive. I just try to, well, you know, just push as much as they can. That's it's, it's a whole thing. Hurricane. I, I may talk about the things that I talk about, but you provide, this opportunity you provide the radio and the network uh and it's together that we start doing this and of course we ha if we had to mention everybody who's involved it gets bigger and bigger which shows how we as a species actually work together to do things that are worthwhile and so um the more of this that we can have the better that the future can actually look well, thank you, Doc. So, so I think we've spent quite a bit. I mean, on on the first question, but but it touches on a lot of things, and it's all solid. And you know, it, it's important stuff that we we uh, we needed to actually get out there. And you know, hopefully, people are listening, watching, and now or later they can benefit from this. And so it will replay after this as well, and then it continuously play, you know, uh, in the long term. So please uh, feel free to see that. Now I'm gonna go to the next question. Are we ready, Doctor? Yeah. All right, so oh, that was already there. <laughs> All right, so what is your stance on the perspective ratification of internet gaming disorder? How does a gamer mind get affected by the games they immerse themselves in? And do they at any point become unable to, and the second part to it, to differentiate between real and game? Francis Phoenix. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay, thank you, Francis Phoenix, because this is actually something that we touched upon in the last episode, uh, Hurricane, or maybe it was the episode uh, before that, when we were talking about the ratification of um, internet gaming uh, as a disorder. Uh, which oh, is doctor, maybe maybe that's what it is, because this was the first question on the list, you know, from from. So we if we covered it, then I don't know. Maybe we can touch it on a different angle, but uh, uh, it was yeah. Yeah, yeah. So whatever you want, Hurricane. Yeah, no, that's fine. Perfect. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, um, that's right. And then now, let's say in the next one. Wah, hold on. Okay, here we go. Now this was—I don't know if we covered this one now. Uh, no, I'm because this was leftovers from the last feed. So, um, what are the most uh, important factors in a successful addiction treatment? Yeah. Okay. This is this is actually really good. Thank you for the question, Matt. Uh, in a way, in addiction. Um, psychiatry and addiction physiology. So in other words, how addictions actually uh, affect the brain. Uh, we're making a lot of strides. We're making a lot of um, 
uh, inroads to understand what actually helps. And uh, look, the most important factors uh, at the moment, I'm going to go by the information brought to us by uh, Gabor Mate, who wrote a book uh, this year uh, and it was published and it was called The Myth of Normal. And what he looked at is how trauma in each of our lives, now we don't have to talk about major trauma, we can talk about small trauma, make us feel bad. And this is actually what needs leads to addictions. So it's not just something in your genes that says you are destined to be addicted. It is feeling bad and trying to get away from that feeling bad that often comes from our childhood. And the insight that comes from this is that the people who are successful in addiction treatment, firstly, they find their own solutions. There is not a magic pill. There is not a magic therapy, but there is something that has meaning to them. And it is finding meaning and finding ways to feel good without a substance, without the actual addiction that actually leads to successful treatment. So we'll take alcohol again. Uh, people tend to drink alcohol to forget. To forget what? What are you actually forgetting? Or to feel good. What do you actually need to feel good about? So the question is, what else can do it? What else can make me feel good? What else can fill that void, right? And so in my own clinical practice, I've seen that people need certain things to feel good. They need to feel that they're part of a group. They need to feel useful. And we're coming back to the same things that we are talking about before. And they need to find meaning in their life. And I think this is one of the most difficult things about 21st century life is that we're all called upon to find our own meaning. Nobody's allowed to tell you what the meaning of life is, whereas even last century, we had large structures like the church, the government, the education institutions saying, this is what gives life meaning. Do this and you will feel good about life. And we've questioned all of that. And questioning that is a two-edged sword. It does lead to more individual um, expression, but it does lead to more individual responsibility. And in the trap between the two, there are a lot of people caught saying, okay, I don't know how to go forward. So in that situation, find something that you actually love. And so I'm going to give two examples. One is a person that I have actually treated uh, and they were able to get rid of their cocaine habit. And what happened there was this person was actually engaged and uh, the person that they were engaged to became part of the treatment and said, look, we can't get married unless this addiction is gone. And then the person who was addicted said, holy hell, this is a crisis in my life. I don't want to lose her as well. And so she became the catalyst to him finding more meaning and something that made him feel better than the addiction itself. So the relationship became meaning that he didn't have before. And for other people, I often ask a very strange question. And that question is, what did you want to be when you grew up when you were eight years old and people go eight years old and they, and they go back and they say some strange things, you know, um, they, they say, Oh, I always thought I would do this. Oh, well, that's impossible. Uh, I, I think I had one person who wanted to be a fire engine when they grew up, 
you know. Uh, but there are other people who said, oh, I always wanted to be a nurse or I always wanted to be a musician or I always wanted to help other people or I always wanted to express myself through a business. You may not be able to get all of what you wanted when you were eight years old, but there's something like it. There's something in that ambition that says something about you and something that is important in your life. And again, we're going back to values, which means if you could find out what that was and get as much of it as you can in your life without expecting that it's all going to come to you, then you find meaning. And so what we find, and I'm bringing it back to addictions now, is if you're able to find that meaning through other people, through self-expression, through feeling useful in society and feeling that you belong as part of the human race, then this need for an addictive substance decreases. So all the treatments that somebody like I may use, I'm talking about pills, I'm talking about um, talking therapies, I'm talking about social interventions, they're all just tools. But the key thing is the motivation. Why do you want to get better? If you're able to get close to the answer of that question, then you'll sort of go, okay, on with the work because it's a truckload of work, Hurricane. It is not easy. It's a whole lot of effort. And as I've said before, I take my hat off to anybody who has overcome an addiction in their lives. If you find somebody like that, first thing to do is to congratulate them because they have overcome a substantial adversity with a substantial amount of effort. Well, thank you, Doctor. And, and and you know what? I have actually had various guests who who actually yeah. have changed their lives and uh, from addiction to to real resources and doing great work in in the community and helping people through coaching and things like that and teaching people what not to do, hopefully yeah, yeah. to get better. So it's yeah, amazing, you know. I mean, but you're right that you know this this thing with addiction is is global. It's never going to end. I mean, it's always there. There's so many things that are addictive around. I mean, as simple as talking about social media, that's addictive these days. It can be very. I, I have I laugh all the time when I'm driving. And I see people walking without even looking. They don't even look up. They're just in the phone and crossing. Yeah. I mean, in the vehicles. I mean, I, I sometimes I want to just record them, like you know. Just because they're like literally like they're they're driving and they're right there on the phone. I mean, it's like what the hell? Yeah. I mean, it's unbelievable. But uh, okay, so, so let's let's go into the brain to explain how that happens. Okay, because that's actually really important. Uh, because there there are ways out of it. The thing is that you've got to take a step back and mm -hmm. see what social media or any other addiction is actually doing to your brain. And now the thing is dopamine. Dopamine is a chemical that mediates our experience of pleasure. Anything that we enjoy eating, anything that we enjoy talking about, anything that makes us feel good will release dopamine in our brains and the brain will want more of it because the feeling is so good. The problem is that our whole society is full of so many different things that can give us dopamine that our expectation, uh, our expectation, uh, expectation of getting dopamine goes up higher. So that means we've got to have more social media or more things that bring us pleasure. All right. But here's the thing. That's all that addictions tend to give us. Not, not quite. I'm overdoing it there. But it's a big hit of dopamine. But there are other chemicals that make us feel good. 
and I'm thinking about oxytocin. I am thinking about serotonin and I'm thinking about beta endorphin, which is the chemical that gets released when you're with a group of people and you laugh together. It makes you feel that you are part of the human race and that life is worthwhile. It's actually an amazing feeling for the brain and it keeps us together as human beings. But you see, if we don't get together with people and we're all on our own little devices, we may be laughing at a joke that we've heard for the first time, but when you're with a group of people, you can actually have a good big belly laugh at an old joke that you've heard a hundred times simply because you're with other people. And that's the feeling that we want. Same with oxytocin. Oxytocin is a feeling that you get being around people that you trust, that you like, and that you love, right? Um, being on the internet, being on social media does not give you that feeling. And even people who keep in touch via the internet know that ah, there's a feeling that's missing when you see the person that you love or like in front of you and you're talking about stuff, it's not the same as being in the same room as them because that feeling that gets transmitted through our eyes, through what's called mirror neurons, actually leads to more release, not only of dopamine, but also serotonin, oxytocin, and beta endorphin. So I'm explaining that because that actually uh, works towards Gabriel Mate's idea that if you find something that's worthwhile and something that gives you that feeling of feeling good about being part of the human race without drugs, you can get to overcome addictions, including social media addiction, much easier but you've got to be aware of it and you've got to make certain decisions well well thank you doc and, and you know uh, it's amazing because you know I'm, I'm listening to you there's a couple of things i want to just add there one is i i just experienced this a couple weeks ago where we were at this place restaurant and we were at the waiting area and there was a whole family sitting next yeah. to each other and everybody was on their phone yeah, And I was just looking at them like, you know, I, I wanted to say something. I was really <laughs> trying to jump and say like something like, okay, you know, just keep, keep, keep your, uh, you know, mouth shut because I, you know, I can be a, a mouthpiece there. But, but it was, it was really, you know, amazing. Like you're right. I mean, they, they're right there. They're going to have dinner together, but they were all on the phone. Yeah. Uh, which was weird. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. but, but I just, I wanted to relate to something that probably people can understand more is that, for example, if you have family overseas, Right. Yes. You can you can WhatsApp them. You can talk to them. But yeah. It's not the same as when they actually you travel there or they travel to see you and they with you in the same room. Uh, you know, I'm sure you have that same you know feeling when you travel yeah. and, and you know and see family, and and that's the thing. I mean, you're right. It's one thing to look at people and you know, yeah. I mean, it's closer, but it's not the same feeling. You know, you, you yeah. can't hug them. <laughs> you know. That's exactly right. Okay, so radical idea, Hurricane, radical idea. Okay. What if instead of us all wanting to travel the world, we got to a situation where we all wanted to just sit put in our hometown to enjoy the people around us? And our holiday had to do with stopping work and having parties together and getting to know each other a whole lot better again. Because what happens in our affluence is you're able to go on this trip, I'm able to go on that trip, and then we miss each other. We don't see each other in our hometown, and we come home and we say, oh, I want to tell you what a great time we had. 
but I can't tell you because you're overseas on your great, you're going overseas on your great trip. So we have the experience, but we don't have the sharing. And in our society, I believe we're going to get to a time where we say, you know what, we've lost too much for our pleasure, for our travel, for our career and our money. And we've lost too much of our relationship, our acceptance and our understanding. And why don't we try to have more of that in 2024 than we did in 2023? <laughs> well, listen, that's the hope. That's what we want. I mean, that's the bottom line. We we want to do a lot of stuff. I mean, again, you know, oh, we, yeah, can we, do. About, we can talk about things, but actions speak louder than words, as they say. Yeah. And so, folks, you know, if you're watching and listening, uh, you know, doctor has given us some basic elements that we can take to the bank and apply and we will be better. I mean, again, you can hear the this is this is not just psychiatry or psychology. This is brain chemicals and, and how it works and how the, how we're supposed to function as, as a species. Yeah. And so it yeah. does make a difference. So yeah. thank you, doctor. All right. Shall we proceed to the next one? Now, this Let's is actually proceed. I'm going to enjoy this one because I, I think I, I would agree to this question myself. But here, here we go. I can't understand why my child is always against anything I say or ask. Why is it that this is, uh, it is always a no. Is it something I'm doing or is it simply child psychology or it is a human default setting? Uh, Mark, Georgia. Okay. Good question, Mark. <laughs> question. I, 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 I experienced this <laughs> with my kids, so I don't know, but go ahead. <laughs> oh, no, no, that's all right. Uh, Mark, thank you for asking that question for all the parents that get infuriated by children that say no all the time or just seem to refuse and all of that. Okay, so a lot has to do with how old the child is. Uh, so one of the most amazing things about having children, uh, because it's a peak life experience, is you get the experience and the responsibility of creating and nurturing another human being. Now, to nurture another human being means that the end goal is somebody different to you. And that should sort of happen somewhere between the age of 20 and 25, where you end up with somebody uh, who is different to you, who believes different things to you, and guess what, will actually leave home, and that hurts. So that's what parents put their hands up for, right? Along the way, however, to nurture this uh, adult, uh, you actually get the privilege of instilling them with your values. And the brain will say yes to that. A child says yes to that without saying yes. They just say yes by watching what you do on a day-to-day -day basis, absorbing what you do in a, on a day-to-day -day basis, and then eventually doing what you do on a day-to-day -day basis, particularly the younger the child is. There are two key times when no becomes the most important word. First key time is around the age of, let's say, three or four, when a child actually goes, you know what? I'm actually separate from my parents. Uh, before that, it's, it's, it's like you're attached to a mother and a father. You don't sort of realize that you are actually separate. But the growing brain goes, oh, my gosh. I'm actually separate because you've got language now and you can actually say the word no and it's a very powerful word. The second time the word no becomes really important is actually in teenage years. Just after uh, puberty, 
when uh, it's, it's not just the emotional and the physical things that happen to change a person, but the intellectual things. What the brain actually does is change somebody from a child into an adult really slowly. Now, what that means is rather than going from a feeling directly to a behavior, which is what a toddler does, if a toddler feels hungry or angry, it can go straight into a tantrum, right? It goes straight from feeling to behavior. By the time a child becomes an adolescent, it goes, you know what, if, if I keep just going straight from feeling to behavior, things aren't going to work too well as an adult. So we put in another step. We go from feeling to thinking, and then we go to a behavior. Uh, now, in all of us as adults, uh, this has varying success, all right, because we as adults are still capable of going straight from a feeling to a tantrum <laughs> in different ways. Oh, we still do. We still do, all right? But that's when you sort of realize you're, you're being a bit like a child, okay? And I, I do it too, Hurricane, you know? Um, but uh, in that process of going oh this is my feeling now i've got to think to see what i can do about it myself there's a process that says all right so i don't want your answer thanks mum or i don't want your answer thanks dad i've got to figure out my answer okay and in that there's a no i'm not going to do what you want and there's a bit of trial and error i'm going to try a few things for myself some of them will work and some of them won't work and then there's a mum and dad to pick up the mass, mess and not say I told you so too harshly, all right, but to be there to say, okay, what did you learn from that? That's good. Being a coach. So uh, the older the child is, you become more of a coach rather than uh, a total carer and nurturer, which is what you definitely are when the child first arrives. So no is actually not only a powerful word, but it shows that you're doing your job right. You're actually doing well. But here's the catch. <clears throat> Every developing person is also subject to a whole lot of influences in our life that are not the best for the developing person. And yes, I'm talking about, I'm talking about addictions. I'm talking about social media. I'm talking about uh, opinions and influences that are not in the best interest uh, for us or for our children. Because I, I don't know if you've noticed this hurricane, but there are a lot of people out there that, you know, want to manipulate us for commercial gain or for their own agendas. And that's again where a parent needs to become a coach so that when a child says no, they're not rejecting the parent's values, but they're actually accepting their own responsibility so that they can negotiate this very complex world that we do have. So, <laughs> Thank you, so, Doc. So, so yeah. I'm just going to summarize for Mark to say that one of the reasons that their child is saying no is because Mark is actually being a good parent and allowing them the freedom to be able to say no, uh, because the last thing that you want is a child afraid to say no, right? And that when a child says no, and I mean particularly as an ad adolescent, that's the time to go into coach mode. So what did you learn about that? What's your game plan? How are we going to do it in the future? How can I help? Now, when a toddler says no, uh, they still need the guidance. They still need sometimes to be picked up and put into the seat. And uh, let's say in a car, they need to be strapped in. Doesn't matter what 
tantrum they're having because you're not going to drive home if that child is not in the uh, harness. Uh, and the child doesn't understand all of that, and so you just override it and you become the parent that pushes through. That tends not to work when a child is 14 or 15. So it's moving from <laughs> total carer to coach. I can just imagine that. <laughs> yeah. Well, 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 doctor, I mean, I, I hear you, and I and by the way, I mean, I, it's amazing because that is like, I, I agree, it's a default. I mean, you know, kids, the first thing they say, you tell them, no, I mean, I'm not doing it, like, just, just like that. But I guess now for the first time, actually, I'm clear about why. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> because to be honest with you, I mean, my kids are grown, but but I've never, even to date, like, you know, we still disagree. Now I tell them, like, listen, it's your funeral. Do what you got to do. Like, you know, life is going to teach you things. I'm just giving you advice. That's it. You want to take it? Great. But, but, but you're right. Like at the early age, it was very difficult to, to like, why do they always have, you know, a reaction? You tell them to do something, they do the opposite. You yeah. know, you, you know, yeah. like you only want the best for your children, right? But, but yet, you know, they're here. They are going on their own road and and trying to figure out themselves. Like I always say, like that's a, that's something that just kind of drives me sometimes crazy like why would i do something that has been already established to be wrong or bad yes. by, yes. by thousands and millions of people and i still want to do it because i want to test it i mean it's like yeah. you know do i really want to do that and, and that's a question that always drives me like you know crazy like i see that happening all the time like yes. good example i mean you talked about addiction people drink we know it's addictive we yes. know but yet they do it uh, people yes. smoke, people do this, people vape. People, I mean, and, and it goes on and on and on. And it's the same thing. Like, why would you experiment with something that you know the outcomes? Yes. I mean, it's been <laughs> over centuries, years of, of studies. And, you know, it's funny. I go to stores now and I, you can see the sign in the store that says, do not buy this product. Or if you bought this, it's going to cause the other. It has side effects. I mean, it's really everywhere. I mean, vape, yes. you know, now it's a big thing and you have these signs across, you know, different st stores that sell these things. I mean, you read it, you know what it's wrong, but why are you still doing it? And, yeah. and, you know, I think it's all attached into the same thing. I mean, people say no because they want to, it's almost like a, a rebellious behavior, I would, I would say. Yes. Oh, totally, totally. That, that's but, totally right. In, in fact, we have studies to show that uh, the more that you... Uh, let's say on smoking packets, right? They used to say smoking can kill, smoking causes birth defects. Then they went to photographs uh, of how bad lungs look afterwards. We've actually found out that um, information like that actually increases sales of cigarettes. So the more you say that this is bad for somebody, you, you're actually encouraging the behavior. And it's because of what I just said here, because we've, got to, we've all got to um, find our own way through life. And we've got to try things for ourselves and we've got to do it my way only to a certain extent. So the, the take home message here is information is not enough, which means that education as a, um, as a solution to everything that's wrong in the world is not going to be enough. Uh, in fact, it's going to fail because you're actually exposing people to the bad uh, behaviors or habits that you want them to overcome. Now, uh, what we need is education and values. So if a society actually values being smoke free or addiction free, and we see that through the way um, people live day by day, and people are applauded for not being able to um, uh, hold their alcohol well, but for actually going into a party and saying, you know what, 
My favorite is zero alcohol beer. <laughs> Big clap. If we gave claps like that, if we gave um, awards for things like that, then we would actually value it and people would actually follow it. All right. So there's a whole science in the 1990s that was discovered by a neuroscientist called uh, Antonio Damasio that if you say, I think, therefore I am, that's actually wrong. The thing is that we think and we feel, therefore we am. Uh, we am. <laughs> we are. So uh, in other words, our emotions and the way that we feel are actually more important and we make decisions more based on what we feel and how our bodies sense than what we think. Because if it was just about thinking, we wouldn't put a step wrong. One of the hardest questions to understand is why do we do things that are bad for us? Uh, Hurricane, you do it. I do it. We're all still trying to overcome it. The whole human race will do things that are bad for themselves. And you go, why did I do that? Why? Because our decision making is not just based on information. It's based on feelings. And that's the thing that we have to overcome, be it addictions or social media. Well, that, this will lead right into the, the next question. It's amazing how it played, but but I'm going to place it here just for you. So let's see. Um, how does business psychology work in marketing to impact buying and trends? <laughs> Whoa. I, listen, I mean, I didn't make this up. I mean, you just. No, I <laughs> but it, but it's it's amazing. Like it's, you know, you're saying it and this, this ties right into this whole thing about the marketing. Listen, I'm in sales and. Uh, marketing has been my life and I know how this works. Uh, you know, it's just what it is. I mean, we are considered quasi influencers as well. And so people yeah. do look up to you and things like that. Yeah. I mean, listen, my wife gets, you know, uh, you know, all these companies that, you know, they want promotions and things like, to, as you said, that they want people to do promotions and we try to be very picky about which we use because it has to make sense also within our mission. Right. But it's yeah. very difficult because, it's it's you know very um what can i say it's attractive in a way it is also you you don't want to be misled you know you want to you don't want to mislead people and it's it's very difficult but but marketing works in in, in the best you know yeah. shape and form <laughs> it, okay. it's very you know powerful it is very powerful in fact unfortunately one of the most cynical things that i say is that the best psychologists are the marketing psychologists. They know their neuroscience better than anybody else. They know what motivates us. They know how to get us to click somewhere and they change behavior much better than I do as a clinical psychiatrist who is just trying to get somebody's mental health together because there's a whole lot more money in it. All right, so a, a little story, Hurricane. Um, I am now the recipient of a new computer and uh, my uh, my, my, my partner, my spouse will see me battle this computer. And sometimes she thinks, you know, he's just a grumpy man who just doesn't like technology. But what I'm actually raging against is knowing how the people who have put this new version of this computer together are manipulating me. And I actually get annoyed that people will um, accept this manipulation because this toy is really good and it does a lot of really good things. Um, it doesn't matter that the last one was more ecologically friendly and uh, actually was easier to use. And they now make me buy cables and headsets that only fit this one. But it's also knowing that the touch on this one under the, under the fingers uh, 
is so much better because the marketing psychologists know that if my fingers feel better on a keyboard, I am more likely to go back to the keyboard. Uh, and when it comes to my phone, and I am convinced that they're now making sure that we use more clicks to do the same thing because we are being prepared to be more and more engaged with our phones. Uh, uh, for example, pocket calls, that could be eliminated tomorrow. But why eliminate it when uh, all these accidental things keep us more engaged with the, uh, the phone? I put together a 15-minute video that talks about how bad social media is for people. And I thought this would be banned on, uh, uh, on YouTube. But it isn't because if people look at it, it means that they're on YouTube. And it's all part of this game to keep people alive so um, and uh, engaged on computers. So unfortunately, it's not only influential, but it's subversive. They are playing with our brains far too much more than we realize. Okay, so I got to go back to the brain because we're talking dopamine hits, we're talking our very communication, and more than just communication, because as a psychiatrist, I know that dopamine is the chemical that mediates our um, experience of reality itself. We feel that we are really engaged when we are under the influence of dopamine. We feel that we are really alive, which is why I, like everybody else, have to limit my own time on my computer, because I sort of think, oh, I'm looking up information here. I'm organizing all this information. Uh, but marketing psychologists know that that's how you get people like me to spend more time on the internet. So it is a problem because the bottom line is the internet and social media, they are just tools. They can be used for good. They can be used for evil. They can be used to improve the world, which they do immensely, but they can also be used for destructive tendencies, which we have also seen. And I, as a psychiatrist, unfortunately, see when things like cyberbullying actually end up with somebody's life being taken at a tender age of 13 or 14. And that is really heartbreaking to see. However, to get good messages out there, Hurricane, you and I have to use social media for as much good as we possibly can. Well, thank you. You know, I'm listening to you. It just sounds like there's psychiatrists hacking psychiatrists. <laughs> that's that's a very tough game, man. I don't know how you do it, but but I mean, I, I do have a question. This is this is probably I, mean, I know we're at the end of the time here, but yeah, yeah. but I, I wanted to just ask this just to cheer up things. But but you know. You are a psychiatrist. You you yeah. you read minds. I mean, literally, you can't. I mean, you you know behavior. You know you can tell someone. You can read them from the minute they speak, the the behavior, the movement, everything. That's a tough one, dude. How do you do it? Like you know, and and hold yourself from not reacting to people because you walk in the street, you're gonna see something, you'd be like, "This is this one. This is this one." You can almost diagnose them based on their behavior instantly. That is that is kind of like weird. I mean, to to live with <laughs> as as, yeah. as a way. <laughs> Actually, thanks for asking that uh, question, Hurricane. Actually, uh, it it touches me that you asked that because it it is something that I have to grapple with because it's a double edged sword, and I have to let you know that because I'm a psychiatrist, I've lost friends. Okay, 
uh, because it makes a lot of people feel very uncomfortable. On the other hand, uh, I'm able to do, yeah, a lot of useful things for a lot of people. So um, I, I also find that sometimes uh, I've got to hold back with myself because it gets too much because sometimes I lose contact with day-to-day -day reality because things that are second nature to me uh, aren't second nature to other people and nor should they be. Uh, uh, but on the other hand, I know that mental health is extremely important in this world and we are losing our way in the world, which is why I treasure what we do, Hurricane, because uh, if we talk about goals and values, if we talk about overcoming addictions, if we talk about how people can feel that they're part of the human race and take the responsibility of growing into independent adults from children that say no, then that's worthwhile because in the end, we are all going through this crazy thing called life together. And I'm hoping that we can do it as best as we can. Well, thank you, Doug. So, so, so now when I just have the finale here, but <laughs> I can't help it. So, so you've known me for three, three seasons going on four. I mean, you probably assessed me upside and you know, up and down. <laughs> What's your verdict, dude? <laughs> okay. I, I, I was dying to ask that question. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. No, that's all right. Okay. Okay. So the first thing I've got to tell you is I actually haven't analyzed you. All right. Oh because, boy! <laughs> no, no, seriously, seriously, Hurricane. Because I can be wrong in anything that I say, do, or think. All right, because I'm just as fallible as the other guy. Also, I think a lot in terms of roles and relationships. Uh, we've met in person once. All right, and I've known you to be a joyful, beautiful person who's got a heart of gold, and you're doing this for the right reasons. And I want to be a part of that. And so I feel I feel a kinship in there. All right. To get to know somebody where I can start sort of saying, look, you've got to make adjustments here or there, I've got to see them for at least four hours to get to know their life story, how they really tick, if you like, their motivations, their hurts, their victories, and, and all of that before I start, <clears throat> before I start making judgments. Because uh, this is something that my friends don't actually know. I actually don't judge as much as they think that I do. All right. Uh, because I, I switch off from all of that because I'm a human being just like everybody else. So so I haven't I haven't analyzed you, Hurricane. You know, I haven't drawn any conclusions. And next time I meet you, I'm sure you're going to surprise me with something. OK, because you're another human being getting through all of this thing called life, just like I am. And we're sharing the journey. Well, thank you, Doc. Well, listen, you know, the movie Analyze This, Analyze That. <laughs> I'm sure you've seen that. Well, yeah, but, 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 you know, it's amazing. But, but it's true, though. Like, you know, I, I met you, we talk, and, and, you know, uh, I've actually had a couple of psychiatrists and psychologists that I've interviewed. I know someone that I, I've, you know, sat down with and, and hang out with quite a bit. And she was like one of my first shows. And I have to say, like, you know, there's always that feel like, am I being psychoanalyzed right now? <laughs> you know, it's like it, it does. I mean, it does cross your mind. But be, be like, I would you I have to say I didn't I, I really never I never thought about it until, you know, like the last week or so. I'm like, I wanted to close this 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 last episode with a question and just to yeah. see what's the verdict there. But I guess I know now. So next time I'll spend more time with you just in case to see how, how oh, you come up with. <laughs> no, but but Hurricane, you're full of joy and you're full of purpose. All right. Uh, and and I don't want to lose you. All right. Because we've got a good thing going here. All right. 
uh, friendships are precious, so we got to take care of them. Uh, things can easily go wrong, and I'm a human just like anybody else. I, I don't put myself above to sort of say, oh, I see that and that, because you know what, that sort of stuff, it's going on in me too, all right? <laughs> I'm still trying to get through just like everybody else is. So we got to laugh a little bit, you know. We do. Take things well, grain of salt. Well, Doctor, I have to say, you are as well a joy. You know, you you and 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 your lovely partner in 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 life and, and in crime, <laughs> Caroline. You know, greetings to her here. And 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 frankly, I have to say, like you know, it was just the same you know feelings when I met with you in person. I mean, I wish we had more time. I mean, literally, I mean, I if you had time, you would have stayed over because i can tell you that's we'll how we do, do it again we, we'll that's how it. we do it you and then then you can do all the psychoanalysis you want it's all good i'm not there's no shame in this game and by the way here's the thing like you know you said you've lost folks you know to me if you give me some if someone's going to give me constructive criticism it will be you and i'll take it because at least you know you know that you can guide me better <laughs> i know that i'm going to benefit from it not the other way around right you know sometimes people will criticize you and they have no no say in the matter but least if you said it you will know more or less about what that means and you know maybe you'll open my eyes to it so i'm i'm open to that so uh, psychoanalyze as many times you want to <laughs> oh that's funny all right well listen this this basically concludes you know our 2023 season and this is the farewell 2023 show uh doctor it was an awesome time we we really I enjoyed this. <laughs> oh, so did I. This is always fun, Hurricane. Always fun, you know. Yeah. I, and I do have a lot more questions that, that we posted, but, you know, we'll post them. And some of them were very heavy. So, actually, I, you know, somehow in, it, it worked out. I didn't want the heavy stuff to close the year with. I wanted to have a cheerful, you know, uh, end of the year. So, we did. And we didn't go into anything that is depressing or, or negative. So, uh, yeah. You know, so hopefully, you know, we'll catch on. You know, there's plenty of time for that. <laughs> and I have to say, Hurricane, in a few hours, that bridge behind me is going to be ablaze in colour and fireworks. And to me, that symbolises some of the joy in the hope that we have that 2024 is going to be a little bit better. So for everybody around the world, Happy New Year from the Sydney Harbour Bridge. Well, thank you, doctor. So we're going to use that as, as an actual drop there. <laughs> Say it one more time. <laughs> Happy New Hold on, hold on, hold on. Say it one more time. All right. So to everybody out there, a happy new year from the Sydney Harbour Bridge. All right. That's Dr. Ham signing out of, you know, for our show here. Well, you know, it's funny because you will experience the new year before most of the people on this planet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So but that's we're still on you this guys. ball together. We're still on this little ball together, you know. I know, but but you guys are tomorrow, I believe, right? So yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So we're the day after tomorrow. So imagine that, you that's know, right. it's just unbelievable. But you know, well, well, so say hello to the new year for us. <laughs> make sure, make sure you give us feedback on how it is so far, you know, before we get there. <laughs> you know, that's always amazing. I mean, this is actually back to the future. Whatever discussion we have, you're yes. in the future. I'm in the past. Yes. But it's amazing, like time travel does exist, and we're a, a true live example of what that looks like. Uh, well, maybe maybe scientists will probably reject this particular definition I just gave, but <laughs> but it's, it's just a funny one of, of, of looking at it. Well, it is. We're on opposite sides of this globe, but we've got to get it uh, going together, and that's that's why we call it a global village, because it is large and small at the same time. 
Yes, it is indeed. Well, listen, Doc, I, and I took a little bit more of your time. I know you got things to do, you know, things to do, places to be, people to see. <laughs> uh, so again, I would say the same thing, you know, from from this particular platform, from this particular show. Uh, I'd say Happy New Year, everyone, and we'll be seeing you in the new year, 2024, coming up. Uh, hopefully, we'll just have a positive year with everything that you guys wish for. Uh, prosperity, health, wealth, you name it. We want it for you as well. And that's about it. That's it, folks. Uh, thank you so much, Doctor, for being with us, as always. Thank you so much, and a Happy New Year to you and your family and your partner, too, Hurricane, and looking forward to doing it all next year. Thank you, sir. And same, likewise. Hi and bye, Caroline. <laughs> <laughs> hi and bye. <laughs> All right, folks. You know, this is it. I hope you enjoyed our show today and uh, you've learned quite a bit. I always learn here. I'm sure there's something that we can, you know, leave you with. And uh, so that's it. We'll be talking in New Year. Bye for actually, it's next year, next week, next month everything so we'll everything. see you <laughs> in in a couple of weeks actually the, the end of january we'll be back all right uh that's it folks bye for now <laughs>